felt like the Lord wanted me to talk about two main topics. Um, one of them being, you know, it, it, we all would probably agree that it's important to believe in God. I know that's deep, but uh, believe in God. But it's also extremely important to believe and trust in the work God is doing inside of you. And we're going to look at the life of Gideon here in the Bible. And, and we're going to kind of break that out and explain more what that means. But it's very important for you to walk into your identity to trust and believe in the work God is doing inside of you. And then the second thing is that there is more to God to experience than we're currently experiencing. Um, there's, there's more of his character. There's more of his nature that he wants to reveal to us. There's more of his kingdom to explore and experience at any given time. And it does not matter how many years you've known Jesus. doesn't matter how mature you are in Christ. doesn't matter how many times you've read the Bible. doesn't matter if you have a seminary degree or not. There is more of the Lord to experience right now. There's more of the Lord. He will take you as far and deep and high as you are willing to follow him. You just have to have the courage to do it. So if you would, uh, please stand while we read. We're going to be in Judges chapter 6, verses 11 through 16. Judges 6, verses 11 through 16. It should pop up on the screen. All right, starting in verse 11. It says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Then Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? Saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? He said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. But the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. It's God's word. It's good. Go ahead, have a seat. So we, we picked up in the middle of the story, so what in the world's going on? There's this group of people called the Midianites, and they are teaming up with another group of people called the Amalekites. And they are ganging up against the Israelites. There's a lot of ites going on in this passage. But it's very severe and it's intense and it's oppressive. And what the Midianites are doing, the Bible describes them in, in chapter 6 as being this people without number. So just picture hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people coming in. And what they were doing is during harvest time, they would wipe out all the food from Israel and they would just completely devastate the land. And it, it got so oppressive that the Israelites were actually moving into the outskirts and digging and carving out caves in the mountain in order to get away. And that's where we find Gideon. He's, he's trying to hide wheat 
in a wine press. It's probably the only food his family has left and he's hiding it in a wine press so the Midianites don't get it. Now to, I was trying to think, okay, how does this relate to us? What would this be like just to make it hit um, closer to home? It would be like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds or maybe millions of thousands of people that you hate coming in, overwhelming your city and they raid every grocery store, every restaurant, every convenience store. They, they raid um, every farm. They raid every personal garden. They steal your refrigerator. They steal your phone, your cars. They destroy your house. You've got no access to internet. They hack into your bank account. They take all your money. So your checking account's gone. Your savings account is gone. Your 401k is gone. All your investments are gone. You've got nothing left except the people around you. And they are crying out to the Lord. They're like, we need help. And every time you try to rebuild your life, they come in again and wipe you clean. This has been going on um, in this passage for seven years already. And Gideon has had enough. He's had enough of it. And so the Lord um, sends this angel to Gideon while he's beating this wheat in the wine press. And... He, give, he gives him, this is important, he gives him his identity, the way that the Lord designed him. And he said, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. He's giving Gideon his identity, this new name, the way that God designed him to be. But Gideon's so frustrated, like he wants none of it. He's like, yeah, the Lord is with us. Where are all the miracles? Where are all the miracles that our fathers told us about? I'm not seeing any of it. The Lord has abandoned us. Where is he? And it's like this angel of the Lord senses this fierceness, this uh, warrior spirit, this uh, warrior mentality that Gideon has. And he says, go in this your strength and rescue your people. In other words, go in the strength I've already given you and do something about it, Gideon. And as is so often, anytime the Lord gives us our identity, this happens all throughout Scripture. It happened with Moses. Um, and it happens with us too. When we feel like the Lord's prompting us to do something or he gives us this identity, something he says about us, it's difficult for us to swallow it. And we're like, oh, no, I can't. I can't do that. And then we just give him our list of excuses. You know, Moses did it. Um, so many people did it. We do it. And here Gideon said, I, I can't do it because my family is the least in my tribe. And I'm the least in my family. Like surely I am not the one uh, to do this. And then God gives this same answer he does every time. It's like, I'm with you. It'll be all right. Let's do this. And so some time passes and... The Lord, some miraculous things happen and, and the Lord is just confirming Gideon's identity. I made you a valiant warrior. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Yes, I'm confirming it. Yes, this is the direction we need to go. And over time, the Lord raises up this army for Gideon. It's about 30-something thousand men, 32,000 men. But the Midianites, Scripture describes, are like the sand of the seashore. It's countless. So there's, picture hundreds of thousands of uh, soldiers uh, encamped in the valley. And here Gideon has 32,000 guys. You know, uh, things are not looking good. But the Lord's been confirming things for him. And then the Lord's about to do something 
that's pretty profound just to prove to Gideon that his outward circumstances are not the issue. The enemy is not the issue. He's the issue. And the Lord is trying to get him to embrace this identity. Uh, We'll see what the Lord does. So he says, he comes to Gideon and he says, we got too many people. Tell everyone that's afraid to go home. So Gideon says, all right, I'll do that. So he, he tells, you know, if you're afraid, you can go home. 22,000 people leave. Those guys just, boom, they're gone. And so Gideon's left with 10,000 men. So any confidence he probably had is gone, out the door. Now he's left with 10,000 men. And there's this, this army without number just waiting for them. Well, the Lord in his humor is like, oh, we still got too many, too many guys. So I can just imagine like the Father and Jesus, Holy Spirit talking about this. And like, what could we do? They're obviously not concerned. It's like they know their capability. And um, he's like, Gideon, I want you to take guys down to the water, let them get something to drink. And I'm going to separate them there for you. He's like, all right. So they go down there. And he's like, if they get down and when they drink water, if they drink water kind of like a dog, let's keep those guys. And the ones that are normal, you can let them go home. So Holy Spirit is like chuckling now. I can just picture, it's like, this is the most ridiculous battle plan we've ever come up with. And so now there's 300 guys left. And this is what Gideon has going for him. He has 300 guys that drink like a dog and they're not afraid and they believe in Gideon. That's really all he's got going for him right now. So now you can imagine Gideon's terrified. It's the night before the battle. And it's just like, this is it. This is how we die. Like, we're going to get slaughtered. And um, I, I don't know what to do. And so the father's like, oh, I'm just going to turn it up a little bit more. Gideon, I want you to go down there past the enemy line tonight and go listen to what they're saying about you. Can you imagine Gideon? It's just like, you whittled away my army. Now you want me to go by myself into enemy lines the night before the battle And just to hear them talk trash about me. Thanks, God. That's really encouraging. It's really uplifting. Thanks for that. And then the Lord's like, you know, if if you're scared, just take a buddy. It's no big deal. And the the next verse, that's exactly what he does. He takes a guy with him. They ranger down there into the valley. And and they're looking. they, They make it past the enemy line. And they're sitting quiet. And they hear this guy talking. And... He's, he's relaying to one of his friends about this dream that he's just had. It's a really weird dream. But then the, his friend is like, oh, I know what that actually means. This, this is nothing other than the sword of Gideon coming in and defeating our army. And Gideon hears this and he's immediately filled with strength. He's immediately filled with faith. He's like, oh, this is it. The Lord's going to do it. We're going to wipe these guys out. So they head back. He gathers his men together. Now, this is where I think just the Lord's humor comes in even more. Um, Scripture doesn't say if Gideon thought of this battle plan or if the Lord gave it to him. But the way things have been progressing throughout the chapter, I I personally believe the Lord just gave it to him. He's like, Gideon, I've got the battle plan. Did you hear what they said about you? Yeah, Lord, we're going to win. Are you filled with faith? Are you strengthened now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, here's the battle plan. You want me to go get the weapons, God? No. This is what I want you to do. I want you to get some jars and some torches. I want you to put torches in the jars. I want you to get some trumpets 
go up on the mountain. I want you to smash the jars because that's really going to scare the enemy. And then I want you to scream for the Lord and for Gideon. Can you do that? And Gideon's like, that's, that's your plan? That's, that's what we're going to do? Yeah, go tell your men. All right, men, gather around. I got the battle plan. We need some jars. We need some torches. We're going to put torches in the jars. Then we're going to go up on the mountain so everyone can see us and shoot at us. Then we're going to break the jars. And then you have to say, for the Gideon and then for me. I mean, for the Lord and for Gideon. That's the plan, boss? Yeah, let's, let's go do it. So they go and do it, and then the Lord does what the Lord does. You know, they smash their jars, they blow trumpets, and it's the oddest battle plan ever. And then it just throws this massive army into chaos and confusion. They start killing each other, and it's like all Gideon has to do is round them up. And so the, the point of the story is the enemy was never the issue. Like, God was never concerned about the status of the enemy or what this enemy was doing. But there were people being oppressed. And for them to get set free, Gideon had to walk into his true identity. He had to embrace it. And there were people waiting on him to do it. And it was like the Lord was like, I have given you this identity of being a valiant warrior. I, I designed you that way. I put that in you. I put that strength inside of you. And the angel I sent to you, he saw it. He notices it. Your men notice it. Your men know who you are. The enemy knows who you are, Gideon. Of everyone here, you're the only one that doesn't know who you are. And it's like Gideon finally got it, but he went through this process of doing it. And I feel like a lot of us, myself included, we've, there are circumstances going on in our lives right now, and uh, the circumstances are not the issue. The issue is, will we embrace what the Lord is doing? He is setting us up for success. Like, we really underestimate how badly the Lord wants us to succeed and become who he's called us to be. And there's a lot riding on it. And um, the circumstances, though, are not the issue. It's, it's will you receive and embrace that identity from the Lord? And will you take some action steps to do it? Will you start making decisions in your life? based on that identity, no matter how wild or unlike you it, it seems. Uh, which leads to the, uh, this next story um, of, of really longing for the more of God, to, to experience the, the more that he has available for you. And I was, you know, in the spirit of uh, sharing stories, I know they're in the sound booth out there and they're, they're capturing stories of what God's doing in us and through us just all over. And, and you can still go sign up uh, to do that. But there's this, there's this story that I felt like the Lord wanted me to share. Um, I've never shared it in public for obvious reasons. You'll find out here in a little bit. Um, just always hesitant to share it. And uh, when Yvonne uh, Baishkoff was preaching a few weeks ago, he was talking about, you know, when the Spirit is prompting you to do something, you can trust them. It's the same thing we do with our kids when you tell them to jump to you. It's just this one, two, three, catch me, Dad. And then you just leave it up to him on, on the results. And uh, so when Yvonne spoke that, I felt like the Lord said, all right, Jeb, it's time for you to, to share this. And um, I shared it with Shelby. She's like, yeah, you probably want to check with Jeff on that one. <laughs> and um, so I, I emailed him 
I think he and Gail were in Malawi at the time. And there's a few days pass, you know, no response. I'm like, all right, there's a number of other stories I could share. But he finally responded. He was like, he was like Jeb, go for it. That, that's biblical. It points directly to Pentecost. It points to the goodness of the Lord. Go for it. Just be sensitive. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, we'll do it. So uh, a few years ago, my wife Shelby and I were on vacation in Istanbul, Turkey. Has anyone ever been to Istanbul before? Yeah, okay, so a few. It's an amazing city. I mean, the, the history and the culture of that city alone are amazing. It's partly in Europe. It's partly in Asia and cobblestone streets and amazing architecture, amazing food, amazing shopping. And we were just loving it. We were there at, uh, it was kind of the end of a December, beginning of January. It was snowing. It was crisp. It was like we were on date night, you know, and we're out, we're walking the streets and, and it was fun and we're in this main square called Toxum Square and it's, it's kind of like the hub of shopping and eating out and stuff like that it's just, it's just a lot of fun it's teeming with people it's snowing it was kind of picturesque and there's this big wide uh, there's like shops on both sides and there's this big wide cobblestone pedestrian road basically and, you know, we're holding hands and we're talking and we're going. About 50 yards away, we see this beggar. He's standing somewhere in the middle of the, the path. And people just bypassing him, you know, left and right. And as we get closer, you just kind of noticed him more. He was wearing like this, this uh, ratty, thin, long sleeve shirt. And he had these uh, ratty shorts on, no shoes. It was snowing. And uh, as we got closer, noticed he had like this makeshift crutch. His right leg was like maybe eight, 12, 18 inches shorter than his left. And his right foot was really withered. And so Shelby and I stopped talking. It's like we both noticed the guy at the same time. And it's, and it's like, you know, the Lord is like, all right, I want you to do something. And I think we both felt it, but we just kept walking. We kept walking. We kept walking. And then we walk past them just like everyone else and we kept walking and then our, our steps just start getting slower and slower and slower until finally we're like, oh, it's date night, God. And um, I just felt the Lord just very gently to say, you know, I know it's date night and I know you're on vacation, but everywhere you go, the kingdom of God goes with you. I want you to go talk to him. So we walk back over there, try to talk to the guy and He's not understanding anything that we're saying, and we can't understand a thing he's saying. And so his, he's obviously in need, like he's got this leg issue. And so, you know, I've read Scripture, and I've seen, you know, I haven't seen, but in Scripture, he raises people from the dead. And so I'm like, surely you can do this. This would be nuts. But um, So I'm going to start praying for it. So I'm praying for the guy's foot, and I'm just praying for him, and like nothing's happening, and it's, it's really awkward. I, I think he felt really weird and awkward, and I absolutely felt awkward. I'm sure Shelby did too. It was a very public place. I'm like, this is dumb. What are we doing? And so, so we kind of pull him to the side next to this kebab shop, this kebab restaurant, just to have some more privacy and just trying to talk to the guy. And he's getting really frustrated at this point. He just looks like this bitter, mean old man. You know, there's no telling what's happened to him in his life. Just, just rock hard face. And um, he's getting really frustrated and I'm getting really frustrated because we can't understand. And I just look at Shelby, I'm like, I, I don't know what else to do. Now, Paul's right there two months prior to that. Um, I'm on the roof of our apartment. 
just spending time with the Lord. It's just me and the Lord. It's, it's early in the morning, sun's starting to come up. I remember I was sitting in this white plastic lawn chair. There's this steel water tank uh, to my left. And I was at this time in my life where I'm just like, Lord, I, there's a huge disconnect between what I read in Scripture and then what um, I'm experiencing in my own life. And I just, I don't understand it, you know. And, but I felt like in this time the Lord was saying, Jeb, there's, you have freedom to explore all of who I am. You have freedom to explore all of my kingdom. And, and so, like, I would just read Scripture and I'm like, that, I don't understand that. I've never heard anyone preach about this. I've never seen anyone do that. I've never heard about that. And just going on and on. And this went on. Uh, the season had gone on for several months. And, um, but that morning, for whatever reason, it's like I had questions for the Lord. And it's like I needed him to answer them. And I asked and I just waited, fully expecting him to answer me. And so I, just, I was just sitting there. Um, waiting for something. And, and felt like the Lord said speak so when I started to speak I just felt this it was like he dumped this bucket of just goodness all over me I just felt this rush of just love and warmth all over me and I'm usually not a very emotional person but person but it it's like I just started like crying and then laughing all at the same time and like my mind the whole time is like Jeb you have lost it <laughs> and and that's how I felt I was like this is like, this is how people go crazy. Like, I have no idea what's going on. This is what psychiatrists warn you about. And I'm just like, this, I don't know what's going on, but this is messed up. And then um, I felt like the Lord just kind of just very gently again to say, Jeb, speak. And so I start talking. And for the next 45 minutes or so, this is a true story. I start speaking fluently in a foreign language I have never learned. And... I had full control over it. I could stop, stop whenever I wanted and have been able to ever since then. It, unfortunately, it's not Spanish. I kind of wish it was Spanish, but it wasn't. But um, so fast forward back, Istanbul, Taksim Square, by the kebab restaurant, me, Shelby, this beggar, he's frustrated, I'm frustrated, nothing's going on. And I turn to Shelby and I'm like, babe, I, I don't know what to do. And she, she said, try that new language of yours. And I'm like, uh, one, it makes me feel like a moron. Two, um, I don't know what I'm saying when I talk in it. And three, um, I'm not exactly sure what happened between me and the Lord up on that roof. So let's not do that. And she's like, he doesn't understand you anyway. Like, he doesn't understand English. Like, what, what's the big deal? And so I was like, that's a good point. So I just, I put my hand on his shoulder and I just, uh, my eyes are open. I just start praying for him in this language. He just starts weeping. Tears just start coming down his cheeks. And like the, his, his, I was just watching his face and it was just so hard and it just turned soft all of a sudden. And he's just weeping and weeping. And I look at Shelby and talking at the same time. She's like, keep going, keep going. <laughs> and so just prayed for the guy there until we felt like the Lord said, okay, that's good. Um... Well, we end up taking him into the kebab shop. It was late. It was like 11 o'clock at night, I think, something like that. And um, until then, we hadn't been able to get any Turkish people to, to help translate for us. It's like they didn't, they noticed it was weird too, so they didn't, uh, they didn't want anything to do with it. But we, we took him inside, gave him some dinner, and um, 
we ended up sitting at this table with these two college girls. One was uh, German, the other was Turkish. And we're like, hey, can y'all help us just understand what this guy is saying, what his story is? We just want to hear from him. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. And so he's talking, and she's like, he's, uh, he's not Turkish. Like, he's not from here. I don't know where he's from. His Turkish is really bad. I can't understand him, but he's not speaking Turkish. So I don't have no idea really who this guy was, where he came from. And, and just to be transparent, I don't know if he, if it was he understood what we were praying with him about. I don't know if it was just I put my hand on him and maybe he just hadn't felt cared for or loved in a really long time. I don't know what happened, but the overall sense when we were there is like God was doing something and God was doing something very profound and deep and it was good. And, and it completely blew outside any theological box I had of God at the time. And so what I want to do is um, we're going to do communion here in a bit. And, and uh, prayer partners, I'm going to call a, a little bit of an audible. Um, but it, what I want to do is have the prayer partners come up here, kind of like we used to do it right now with uh, communion. But if, if you know that the Lord has spoken something to you about your identity... Maybe he said, you're a warrior. Um, I just want to encourage you. It's time to start fighting for people. And if maybe the Lord, uh, like my wife, the Lord has said she's a writer. If the Lord has said you're a writer, then start writing something. Or if the Lord has said you're a comforter, start finding people to comfort. It it could be a number of things, whatever it is, starting a business. I don't know what it is, but um, if there's something about your identity that's been hard for you to receive or accept, um, now's the time to, to start getting the courage to do that. And then if you know that there's a huge disconnect between what you read in Scripture and what you're experiencing, I just want you to know there's, there's a lot more. Like there's a lot more than we're currently experiencing. And, and I really feel like the Lord will say, will take us as far as we want to go. So if you would, we could have prayer, prayer partners and elders come to the front and the sides. And everyone who wants this more of the Lord, um, everyone who wants to, to get some more clarity from the Lord on their identity, uh, would you please stand? We're going to press into this a bit. And you know, um, just so everyone else doesn't feel really awkward, <laughs> we're going to have communion up here just like we always do. So we can do this the same time. Uh, I, don't, I don't like being call out and, and feel funny about that too. So we're going we're gonna to worship. You're free to come up for communion just like we always do. If you want prayer, um, let's press into that. But, but as we're going, I just want to pray and then, then you'll be freed up to take communion and, and pray with prayer partners. So Father, we love you. We know that you are able and capable and you desire to do things far above anything beyond we can ask or think. And so, Lord, I pray that you would fill us with a hunger for more of you, that you would give us a courage to follow you, a courage to let go of fear, to let go of insecurities, to forgive um, all the the bad things we've done and the, the evil things that have been done to us, and just receive from you. Lord, we know that there's some weird stuff in Scripture, and, uh, but it's amazing nonetheless. And um, Lord, I just hope that that story honors you. Um, and, and 
Lord, whatever gift that people are wanting, uh, regardless of what it is, Lord, I just pray that you would pour that out on them today. Lord, I pray that they'd have the courage, the faith just to receive it. Um, I mentioned tongues, but tongues is just one of many gifts that the Lord can give. And they're all from him. They're all from the Spirit. And so, Lord, I pray that you just pour that out. Lord, if whatever it is, wisdom, knowledge or understanding, Lord, if it's healing, just whatever it is. And Father, I pray um, that you would give us courage. Um, I, I do want to give us an assignment. Um, like if the Lord has said that you're a healer and you've never seen anyone get healed before, um, right now, this week, your, your assignment, and this goes not just healing, it goes for anything. You have to fail, try and fail at least two times this week. Like that's your assignment. You have to fail two times and then you'll be successful. So if you, if you go and you pray for someone in a grocery store or in a parking lot or something like that and they don't get healed, bam, there's one. And then um, if, if you pray for someone else and nothing happens, bam, there's your quota. You did a good job. Did a good job that week. If they do get healed, amen, but you still got to meet your quota of failure. So that's what it takes. Sometimes the only difference between two people that have the same theological beliefs but one is seeing fruit, one is seeing results, and the other is not, is typically this person is out there trying. You know, they're, they're doing something, and they're failing, and they're succeeding, and they're processing it with the Lord all at the same time, but, but there's some action there. So, Father, give us courage. Lord, set us free from fear of man, what people think of us, because we want to receive more of you. We want to receive all the goodness that you have for us. So as we come for communion as we come for worship um, as we come for prayer lord i pray that you would touch us deep down inside and just set us free lord let us run let's worship together amen